My dear friends, today I have a beautiful story to tell you and you'll love it. You'll love it, I know. It's a story of a cappuccino, not a coffee, but uh, a man who is uh, from the family of St. Francis of Assisi and a capucin, we say in English. And he lived in the time of Padre Pio. Actually, he was in the same convent in San Giovanni Rotondo in Italy and Padre Pio loved him dearly. And he said to him, you know, I will always be with you, by your side. Uh, his name is Fra Daniele Natale, so brother Daniel Natale. Uh, he, was, he was not a priest, he was a simple brother, got very sick, he was only like in his early 40s, and the doctor said he won't live. For sure he won't live, there is no chance he can live much. So when he shared that with Padre Pio, Padre Pio said, no, 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 don't worry, you won't die. Please don't, don't be afraid. Please go to that clinic and ask for that surgeon and have a surgery made and, um, and everything will be okay with you. So because Padre Pio had already that reputation of uh, seeing the souls and uh, talking about the future and uh, having a credible reason, he was a prophet actually. So they all believed that, and Brother Daniel went to that clinic, and the surgeon said, it's impossible, I will kill him if we, if we, if we open that, it's a problem in his stomach, you know. And, uh, but, but he did, because he was a friend of Padre Pio, he trusted him, and while he was doing the surgery, he heard constantly, go ahead, go ahead, and the surgery lasted eight hours. But the fact is that the surgery was successful, so much so that Brad Daniel was put in, a, in his room. Everything seemed to be okay, but very soon he went into a coma and then died after three days. So everybody was shocked because they trusted so much the words of Padre Pio and said, what, what's this story? And uh, so they, they made the certificate of death and, um, well, they put him in the place for the dead, you know. But the friends of Brother Daniel called Padre Pio and said, Father, uh, Padre Pio was very shocked himself. He didn't expect that at all, you know. So they said to him, listen, Father, it is your fault that uh, Brother Daniel died because you asked for this surgery and, uh, you know, it didn't really work for long. And because you are responsible of this death, we ask you all to pray that please have Brother Daniel come back to life. I don't know if many priests get this kind of request, but he did. Padre Pio was very willing and uh, he had his own prayers, you know, the mystics had their own deal with God and with Our Lady. So to make a long story short, shortly after his death, he came back to life. He sat on his bed. Everybody was terrified. They ran away. <laughs> they left him all alone. They thought it was a ghost. So, and uh, But he... He got up, he could walk, he could see, he could hear, he could even see through the walls, you know, and so he was perfectly uh, alive. Now, of course, put yourself in the skin of those friends. They bombarded him with questions. What have you experienced when you died? And he said, well, you know, when I died, I saw Jesus. And he said, you know, we on earth, we have no idea what is the love of God. 
is only love, only love. Exactly what we yearn to have is all of it. And uh, I had the feeling that I was the only object of his love. I also saw Our Lady. And you know, I had a, such a love for Jesus that I had only one strong desire was to embrace him and to be like one only thing with him. And, uh, and he would invite me, you know, he was absolutely inviting and happy to see me. And, uh, but at that moment, in one fraction of a second, I saw my whole life from A to Z. And I saw all the moments when I was uh, faithful to God, I would do his will and be a nice boy. And I saw also some circumstances where I sinned. And I saw also some sins that I had committed recently and for which I did not repent and even less that I didn't confess. So I understood that I was not purified enough to get into the embrace of Jesus. And I was so willing to embrace Jesus that um, I decided to go to purgatory because I knew it was necessary to be purified. My soul had to be purified. So they said to him, what have you experienced? during this, um, this time in, uh, in purgatory. And he said, I suffered atrociously. First thing that, in two things. First thing is that when we are there in purgatory, we don't see Jesus anymore. And you know, the, the bliss of the elected is the vision of Jesus, the vision of God. And when you have seen him and you don't see him anymore, it's the torture of your heart. It's a longing, it's a nostalgia, it's, a, it's very, very hard. Even lovers do not know this degree of nostalgia when they are separated. And, uh, but I had the consolation to think that I would see him again, because the only door that goes out from purgatory is the door of heaven. So that was a great hope for me. But the second suffering that I had was much worse, so painful. Because, you know, when I saw my life, I also saw the plan of holiness that the Lord, my Creator, uh, had conceived for me, for my life. It was absolutely wonderful. It was beautiful. It was awesome. It was extraordinary. So, so beautiful. I loved it. And uh, I was very happy. But when I compared this plan of holiness, I, actually, I was called to be a great saint. And I also saw all the uh, circumstances of my life when God gave me the graces to become a saint. But when I compared with my answer on earth, with, with what I experienced on earth, there was such a difference that I understood that I had missed a part of that plan. Sure, I would become a saint, but not that extraordinary saint that I was meant to become. And so also with that holiness I could do a lot of good on earth also for my brothers and sisters. And that, when I found out that, it was like a sword piercing my heart. It was horrible because I knew we have only one life on earth and I wasted that part and that part will never come back. I will never be that great saint. I will be happy as a saint, but I could have been much happier. I, I could have reached out the greatest glory of, of holiness and I could have reached a greatest intimacy with my Lord. So I couldn't be consoled. It was so such a pain, such a pain. 
out of love for God because he expected more from me, you know. So, um, but as I was suffering atrociously like this in purgatory, I saw Padre Pio come. What a surprise. And he said to me, you know, Daniele, I told you I would be always with you. I saw Our Lady and I saw that he was talking to Our Lady and uh, Our Lady with the head did that like this. He was as actually asking to give me a second chance. So then he turned to me and said, you have received a second chance, now you can go back on earth. So I went back to earth. It's how, you know, Brother Daniele uh, got out of his bed and he was alive again. So needless to say that his life changed drastically. Actually, he had understood a few lessons from above. First of all, that when you get there and you see Jesus, you are revealed in your truth, you know. And what remains? Only one thing remains. Charity. The love of charity. Which means the love of God. The divine love. You know, Mary in Medjugorje, she makes a big difference between human love and divine love. Human love is made of attraction. So you, you feel good with a person. This person brings you a lot of pleasure, a lot of joy, of contentment. This person um, has quality that you appreciate. But actually, when you look at that, the center of that love, human love, is yourself. And you are interested for all what you can get from that person. So in that kind of love, there is a little bit of selfishness. But the divine love, according to Aurelian, or all teaching of the, the church and the mystics, divine love is something else. Is that you love that person so much that you desire for that person a complete happiness, which means holiness also. And you are ready to sacrifice yourself for that person. You do not hesitate to make sacrifices for that person, for the well-being and for the happiness of that person. It's a kind of self-giving love, you know. You want to, to, to do everything you can. So he said, that when we get there, only this divine love remains. It's the only richness we have. All the rest has disappeared. So uh, he got that. Uh, and he understood also that in order to have that divine love in our hearts, it's prayer. It's through prayer that you can be filled and fulfilled with love, the love of God. So Brother Daniel had constantly his rosary in his hand, he would pray constantly, and uh, either the Psalms and the, the Rosary or any other prayers. He was like was he talking to God constantly in his own way, you know, with uh, spontaneous prayers and uh, very free prayers. And uh, so he was an example for prayer. And also he, um, he got that love through prayer and he was extremely good to the poor, to the handicapped people, to the weak, to uh, the sick, and uh, to the elderly. And he would really listen to them, and he could see Jesus suffering through them. So he was very, very nice and loving to them. He saw Jesus, like Mother Teresa, you know. He saw Jesus through the poor. And uh, he had also received the same charism as those of Padre Pio. For example, he could see the souls. He could see the future. So many people would come to him and they, they would bother him 
days and nights, so to speak, and uh, he was good to everybody. He didn't calculate his tiredness. Actually, he was also several times uh, operated because he was very weak in his, in his health. And uh, when he would suffer, he would be extremely joyful. Because one thing he understood in the other world is that the value of suffering when it is offered to Jesus. As he was taught there that when you offer your suffering to Jesus, of course Jesus takes the gift. He takes it. And what does he do with it? He takes it in his own heart. And this suffering offered becomes his own suffering. It is, it is his, belongs to him. And everything that belongs to Jesus is divine. Offering your suffering to Jesus, your suffering becomes divine. And what is the fruit of that is that united with the suffering of Jesus, your suffering becomes co-redemptive. And the great mystery of co-redemption. Like Mary, she's a, a, the example, the best example of a co-redemptrix because she offered everything and God only knows what she suffered at the foot of the cross, you know, and she offered everything to the Father with Jesus and she's a co-redemptrix, which means that you help the Redeemer to save more souls. Of course, there is only one Redeemer. It's very important to know that. Mary is not a Redeemer. The saint is not a Redeemer. But Jesus alone is a Redeemer. But because we are the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ, we received also during the sacrament of, of baptism a great gift, among others. It is a priesthood of the faithful. Because of that great gift, freely God given by God, we have the possibility to unite ourselves and our sufferings and our work and everything to that of Jesus and help Jesus to save souls. And this is a beautiful aspect, because when we suffer, you can also choose to be nasty, to be uh, rebellious, to be uh, anxious, to be desperate, to be um, jealous, to be all these things. When Satan wants to tempt you with his own production, so to speak, you know. But if you listen to the voice of Jesus, who tells you, give me, give me, who tells you, give me your pain, give me your sufferings, give it to me. And if you give it to him, he uses it for good. And you don't know now how he uses it, but you'll find out in heaven and you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. And Jesus revealed to many saints all the fruit of their offerings. Already on earth, they knew that. So to make a long story short, he was praying constantly. He was like drinking the grace of God constantly, put it into his heart. He was extremely loving, generous, full of charity, very, very joyful. He liked to crack jokes constantly. You know, he was so happy and uh, he would offer all his suffering to Jesus. And uh, so he was an incredible uh, example. When the, all this story happened, he was in his early 40s and uh, he had a second chance that lasted also 40 years. So he died very old in 1994, you know, recently. And many of my friends from Italy have known him, my spiritual director, but also the, the nephew of uh, Brad Daniel also said the story, and that story is, is known now, is known. Many people also remember him as a wonderful man. So I must add also that Brad Daniel, in his second chance, was so good, so holy, that he has been declared 
servant of God in 2016, and now his cause of beatification is there well-placed in Rome. So he didn't miss the boat. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because Brother Daniel was a regular Christian, a regular monk, so to speak, but he was called actually to a greater degree of holiness. But he neglected that. He was given a second chance and he didn't miss the boat of the second chance. When we get there, we might not have a Padre Pio to tell us, oh my friend, you missed the boat, so please you can, uh, so come with me, I'll bring you back to earth so that you may have a second chance. That will probably not happen. So what do I mean by this? I mean that it's now, now, today, that we may decide to enter that second chance for us. Which means, as Our Lady puts it, dear children, I invite you to change radically the direction of your life so that you may retake the way of holiness as it's explained in the gospel by Jesus himself, in all the Bible, and of course in the messages of Our Lady. For so many years she explained what was the way of holiness. You choose that and you stick to it. And when you fall, don't be discouraged. Just get back on your feet through the mercy of God. He will always take you. But you have to make the decision to become holy. And I remember one day Jesus said to Sister Faustina, I like very much your decision to become holy. And you can be sure that I will give you all the graces you need to fulfill that holiness. And if you miss one of the graces, don't be discouraged. Just humiliate yourself, ask forgiveness, and you will receive your more grace by this humiliation. You know. So God is so good, so good. So decide for that way of holiness. And holiness is not to perform miracles, it's not to say things extraordinary. Of course, some saints had that, but it's not... Uh, it's not necessary at all, you know. The holiness is the degree of love that you have in your heart. You are holy when your heart is overflowing with love, through love. That's holiness. And you recognize them. You recognize the saints by their love. Not so much by their words, not so much by their beauty or for whatever, for the love, the love. The word from Our Lady about that is, dear children, today may be the day when you decide for holiness. That's the word from Our Lady. And uh, we don't know if we will pass away tomorrow or in 50 years, maybe more. And especially in these days of great trial for the world, we know even less when we will be called to the home of our Father, you know. So you will never regret to make that decision. And each day, Repeat, Lord, today may, may be the day when I start loving. May be the day today when I start loving. So, my dear brothers and sisters, I wish you now a very happy, faithful, and beautiful second chance in your life. Don't miss it. In order to, um, to pray together a little bit, I choose that beautiful prayer from St. Francis of Assisi because uh, it's a prayer that is begging for the true love. And we need that. Pray with me. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. 
where there is injury, pardon, where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, and where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand. For it's in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And may God bless you all.